0: Well, hey friends, it's great to gather again on the AKA Teacher Podcast. I'm Joanne Rosado, and I'm here with my friends and fellow co-hosts, Angie, Daniel, and Shelton. It's 2023, y'all. How's it going so hey, far? Yeah. Hey, How's it going so far?
1: Uh, break, break was beautiful. Break was literally a break. I literally mm-hmm. took a break from everything, not thinking, not doing anything productive. So that was that was pretty good for me. Um, with school, I think it was a new, instead of a new year, I looked at it as a new chance. So I like to approach it that way. So just doing things a little different, uh, giving myself a a new chance and not trying to do the same things and trying to feel the same way. And it's overall, it's been going well. Um, students has been receptive and uh, yeah, it's just been a a learning experience if I could say. So yeah, I just Yeah, yeah you have such chance. a
0: beautiful way of framing things often. So it's that whole like it's just a new chance.
1: I appreciate it. And it's uh therapeutic. So I have to because I'm literal, <laughs> so I have to do it that way sometime. But thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah.
2: What about you, Angie? Well, um, you know, this time of year is the wrap up of the first semester. And then selecting classes for second semester or for next school year. So there's a lot of energy that we could talk about with just kids finishing up their classes, really passionate about grades for the first semester. And then it's like one, there's one day and then it's like, boom, what classes are you taking next year? And so there's a lot of, the kids spend a lot of time in a high stakes emotional space that we have to convince them like, No, the rest of your life is not determined on your first semester grades right now, nor what science class you take next
3: year. Your life is going to be okay. (laughs) How are you doing? Joanna, you didn't hear from you.
0: Uh, I'm doing okay. Break, I will agree with Shelton. Mine was really kind of just a break. I was enjoying that um, my son was home uh, for a bit. And that just always feels good when I got my little crew with me. Um, And so that felt good. And then coming back to school, um, I think it's been a difficult adjustment uh, for myself and the students. Again, we've had a lot of gray days. It's it's been very gray. Um, We had kind of a tragedy happen with my classroom. that I might talk about that later. And then I am getting I started up my Ph.D. program again. So I've been trying to figure out, you know, my life and my schedule with just like work, union, going back to school. And it's the start of club volleyball season for my daughter. (laughs) So I've been doing a lot of like scheduling.
1: So I'm busy, busy, busy.
3: Joanna, you mentioned the unions and we're talking about the new year. And I think I've seen a lot of people's new year's resolutions, a lot of, I want to slow down. I want to take care of myself. Um, really thinking about where taking care of yourself professionally and, and personally and protecting your yourself, your well-being and your rights. And I think that kind of connects to our topic, which is unions. And talking about unions and what are the pros and cons of, of teacher unions, how teacher unions provide support to you and your colleagues, um, especially right now with teacher shortages, staff shortages, not just teacher shortages. And a lot of the reasons we're hearing for educators leaving the field uh, is because they're, you know, they're overworked. We, you know, their rights are not... Being protected, it's not a humane working environment, and and who's there to support and protect educators right now? And so, let's just kind of start off hearing, you know, what is everybody's personal experience with teacher unions? Are you a part of one? What's what's your connection with them, and and what what has your experience been with teacher unions?
2: I w- was a teacher in Indiana. We had a strong union in Indiana um and came to Wisconsin and have been a member of the union in my old school and then Act 10 happened and that was pretty crazy and I recently joined the union of my new school district um I hadn't put my money where my mouth was and joined them yet but I recently did get on uh get on the right side of things so
0: I always like to just you know Wisconsin is a really unique situation in that we are the only state in the nation um, that had protected collective bargaining rights that had been taken away. You know, we were the first. Um, There used to just be, like, places that never had collected bargaining rights, or they they do. Um, And so Wisconsin is unique in that ours were removed. And my experience has been so you know, I say this all the time. I've been a teacher for 27 years. I've been a union member the whole time, uh, in two different districts. Um, man, I, I think it's important to think about, um, it's kind of one of those things, you know, like sometimes when you hear like, There'll be the the comparison about like, is there really a self-made businessman? You know what I mean? Because it's like you used the roads and you used the electricity, you know, and that kind of stuff. That's kind of how I think about with unionism and teachers organizations, that if you're stepping into a school anytime, uh, you know, you are benefiting from the work of professionals who've come before you and, and organized on your behalf. So my experience has been, I've always been a member and I've always been pretty involved, you know, starting out when I was probably within my first three years, um, I was involved with leadership and, um, it's really, to me, it's, it's our professional organization. It's like every, every profession has a professional organization and what they do is they set the standards for the profession. I think what we've suffered under in Wisconsin for a while here is, you know, it's not equal right now. And so and it could be why schools are struggling, you know, because the 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 professional association um, that would set the standards for the profession and what priorities are. our voice has been a little limited, but anyway, you guys have heard me talk before. Like I don't got, I can preach, but I can also just, you've heard me talk. I I dedicate a lot of time. In fact, I was just on a union call right before this one, um, where we're discussing right now, a new salary structure. Um, you know, over the years, pay is definitely an issue and that's not the only thing that, that's, Teachers unions do, just happens to be the call I was just on, Um, but we're talking about our new salary structure and looking out for our younger members and considering the difficulties of paying for a higher degree and how do you work that in, how do you still Acknowledge that teachers continuing education and professional education, you know, in partnership with colleges and universities is something that, again, as professionals, I think we'd say, yeah, we need that, Um, you know, how to how to make that all work. But it has been, you know, it's not all been easy, like among teachers and among our partners. But I'd like everyone to know that, yes, teachers have a professional organization and we can meet and everyone else has a professional organization, too. And they're meeting.
3: Yeah, I remember, Angie, you mentioned Act 10. And so in February 2011, I remember being at the Capitol in the protests and I was about five years into my teaching, and still a you know beginning teacher at, at that time was teaching in Madison. And I remember Angie mentioned you know joining the union and being on the right side of of things. And I remember that was clear to me, but actually it became a little fuzzy because it was very clear to me I wanted to be part of the protest. I wanted to speak up. Um, I wanted to speak out, you know, for the collective bargaining rights. Of teachers um, and the and and for the union, and I remember some of my very close friends and colleagues felt like, no, our place is in the school, and we kind of had these back and forths. And I was like, no, we we need to be we need to be out there. We need to stand up for something. And they're saying, no, our students need us. That's our job. We need to be in the schools. You know, we also had families who were needing to get childcare at the last minute, which in some cases was just untenable. So we had families who were upset. To my you know friends and colleagues saying we have to be in the school that's what our students our families need us and you know I was saying it's it's so much bigger than us um and and realizing that being in the crowd and realizing yeah it's not just teachers right these were it was the dismantling of collective bargaining rights for all unions and just the energy there I remember it, it was it was. I felt a little nervous being there because, again, friends and colleagues who we were usually on the same page, um, you know, the right side of things together. All of a sudden, we were on different sides. Um, it, they ended up, you know, kind of joining later. But at the beginning, it was just things were swirling, and you know, what what's right, what's wrong, and and trying to figure out well, what do what do I stand for in the middle of all of this was, was really tricky.
2: Well, and that's the thing I think about being a teacher that, so it's, it's a unique profession in the sense that your own autonomy is challenged by your need for your vulnerable students that you, you stand there and you're like, yeah, I need to do this for me, but my kids need me, my student kids. And so then I, a lot of educators I think spend time wondering like, well, do I really need this or do my kids need something more? And, and then spending that energy with little debates amongst themselves, or maybe debates among a couple teachers. Um, you know, I can, I can see how people would be kind of like, I don't know if we wish could miss school. I don't remember back in, I don't remember how many days of school we missed
0: three days, maybe
2: well, and what was really interesting at my school was, so I had only, this was my first year teaching there and my third year overall, all of my colleagues who had more experience than me were like, listen, we're calling in sick. We have a plan. You do not call in sick. You are not as well protected as we are. So you just stay under the radar. If we have snow day, great, you're out, but don't get yourself in a vulnerable spot we're fine. We're not afraid to push the button a little bit. And so there really was like that feeling of being protected a little bit by your more experienced colleagues, um, which is one of the benefits I think of a union.
1: Interesting. I think too, just looking back in my experiences listening to other teachers talk, um, I hear a lot of the benefits, but, so this may be an observational question. Can there be like per the conversations I've heard, is there sometimes the value of the union leaders that can be like a contrast to the mass of the teachers, and could that be a disadvantage or, or a, um, a conflict? Is that does that happen ever?
0: Well, I think it's like any other democratic organization, you know, little d, like it, you know, a union runs as a democracy. You have you vote in your leaders, uh, you hold your leaders accountable. Do your leaders communicate with other people? Are they bringing in, you know? Are they representing their members? Um, So I think it's like any other democratic situation. It's actually kind of maybe even a little better than some other professional organizations, because we are so committed, you know, teachers are committed to democratic decision making. And that is why we're at such, it's so weird to work within a district or at the state level, because, you know, we're, and I know where, where I've, been teaching for 20 years. We have a strong union and we're very committed to democratic decision-making amongst, you know, one another and with, with our district. But we really are up against one, a lot of people just not being connected to, you know, with the decline in unionism, uh, without people being connected to them realize that's why I kind of gave my example of being like, well, we have heard, I think the pieces of like, um, the 40-hour work week. Thank you unions. You know, sick time. Thank you unions. Um so you know, it's it's challenging work, but I I've seen and felt no downside. It's very energizing. And when I think back to Act 10, so same thing when Act 10 happened, and that's not all, you know, that defines a union, but I'm you guys were being nostalgic. So I'll throw in because when you were like, Oh, it was kind of like scary or this or that. I was the vice president of my union, a new vice president to my union at the time. So my friend and I had agreed where she was with the president and I was the vice president. So we were totally new to leadership. Um, when act 10 happened and, um, You know, we we didn't live in Madison. We're down here. All those those first days we were taking buses like we would rent school buses and immediately after school, we'd make the hour and a half drive to Madison and protest all night, go into the chambers, sign up, try to speak, come back, go to school the next morning Um, and my children, my, my son who was nine at the time has very strong and good memories of all of that, you know? Um, and then it was every weekend for like a month, right. Coming again, organizing the bus or then taking my minivan on up. And, um, I remember the feeling of, of just being like, wow, there's a lot of us out here, right? Because it climbed to like over 100,000 people. And there was a lot of people out here. And that was the first time I started to really feel like I had never thought before that people were against teachers. Hmm. Um, You know, like it had never occurred to me. Um, But those were the first incidences where I did feel that. And then it was interesting just seeing what happened among my own, you know, right. Our, our own staff, like at first people were like, unions are outlawed. So what are we going to do with the money that we have? You know, cause oh. like our organization has money, you know what I mean? And there was people yep. like talking about like splitting it up and then we're, you know, and I was the leader at the time being like, well, no, it's, we still have a union. Um, it's just, we're going to have to function a little bit differently. I mean, dang, teachers are strong, man. Especially where where unions have survived, and and where where we can help to continue to grow. Because really, there is every obstacle put up in your way to make it not easy right now. But I do think that teachers are so committed to our profession and to the outcomes of us being united and what that means for our students and for our schools that I've just seen the most amazing things happen through being unified with my colleagues.
3: Yeah, Joanna, I want to come back to that. But first, when you said, you know, realizing that people don't respect teachers, I remember that in the protest head on experiencing it face to face. I clearly had my union pin on. I was part of, you know, I was a teacher out there, you know, not in school protesting. And mm-hmm. this guy comes up to me, who just towers above me by at least six to eight inches. And leans over to me, gets in my face and just at the top of his lungs, he screams. He says, go the F back to work. I didn't say F. He said the Mm -hmm. the full, the full thing. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of stood there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I, I didn't know what to do. I was just frozen and and shaking. And it was this visceral memory, this visceral moment of, of that disrespect that um, we shouldn't have been out there and, and to, are, you know, places in the school. And then there, I was questioning again, maybe my friends were right. What am I doing yeah. here? Uh, but it, it was an insult Am I about to get margin. hurt or something? Mm-hmm.
0: So the, my, my teaching partner that I do my program with now, the year of act 10, that was her first year of teaching. And wow. she would tell, so one, I was present when that happened to her. You know, like someone came like a man like pulled over in his car and was just like screaming at her and I like kind of pulled her away. So I remember that. And then also just the comparison of our experiences. So and this is something her and I have done then the whole time. So like when I first started teaching, truly, people were excited, like. And I, I think I've shared the story that I was a teacher in the the high school that I went to school at. So people really were like people would come see me and be like, Oh my God, I heard you're a teacher here now. I just want to see your classroom. Oh my God, congratulations. Thank you. I had that. Whereas my teaching partner who her first year during act 10 was, like you know, so she's like 22 and people are like berating her, you know, to the point where then she's like, I can't tell anybody I'm a teacher. Like if I start talking and I tell people I'm a teacher, they're like yelling at her, lecturing her. So she'd just be like, yeah, I work at a bank. And that was such a different experience. You know what I mean? Like I really saw how it affected just that where I'm like, and then I've seen the whole time where on these different trajectories, you know, or we've we've just had this different experience where every little piece of something that might be a benefit in her profession has been a hard won fight where, again, when I started out, it was not things that I thought about. I did not. I really didn't think much about our salary and our benefits. And the rules were very clear about your teaching assignments and how many classes you would have to teach and what you would have to supervise. And right. It was all very clearly laid out and she came in at a time where it wasn't, that was like all, it literally was blown up. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's maybe why I'm so passionate about it too. You know, I'm, I'm protective, Of new teachers newer to the profession, because we need we need great people. We need them. And we need to to build them and encourage them. And um anyway, so yeah, our like parallel experiences through this time. Um, but if we were ever to invite her on the show, she'd say the same thing. She'd say, So where I work, my friends who are younger say the only reason they're still teachers is because of our union. Hmm. interesting it's where they get the support the mentoring and have learned about the system wow
3: yeah i'm aware you know we're saying unions good you know we're all about unions but as we know it's it can be a heated topic and people can be feel like that's there's one side or or another and i'm curious what you all think you know like what are What are the primary reasons for that? Whether it's things you've heard firsthand or messages in the media, you know, why do unions and specifically teacher unions sometimes get a bad rap? And what, what is that about? What do you think the main reasons are that people are, can be down on, on teacher unions?
0: Well, the historical one, and I was just listening to a different podcast this morning that was doing research about teachers and recruitment and retention and the historical one is that the union protects bad teachers
1: mm, mm,
3: mm-hmm. you know the bad apple
0: yeah right? and that was kind of it back then during the big fight where It was like well when we get rid of the unions then only the best and the brightest will be in the profession um and so right it was this assumption or I don't know that, right, that the the teacher's union protects poor performance. So that's a criticism or that, you know, that is what I would hear.
3: Do we think that's true?
0: No, of course
3: not. (laughs) Uh,
2: We may, you
0: know, the union response is we make sure that due process is followed and that at any time, you know, there has always been ways to address performance. And or we could say now, okay unions are weaker. Is performance, you know, like did everyone who chose to leave, are they, I don't know, but that's, well, that's what I think about Joanna with what
2: you're saying right now is because I have actually, I have mentored teachers who had to go through the due process, um, who then chose to leave the profession because teaching wasn't the right fit for them. And there's still a due process that took place. And I'll be honest with you, The whole time I was like, nobody's sneaking through. There Mm -hmm. were no bad teachers that were being protected before because the process was there. And if you you weren't protected, you had to go through the process to prove that you were working hard to perform. Mm -hmm. And the union, I would say, was incredibly supportive of this teacher I was mentoring in an, an attempt to help her do everything she could to excel. The school district was doing everything they could. And honestly, it was concluded at the end that she found a different profession. And so I don't think the union protected a bad teacher in that situation. They supported her and she still had the autonomy to make her own choices. And it was a leave the profession.
0: Mm -hmm. I think another criticism is the... If you're standing up for your profession, then you don't stand for kids. And again, these are the extremes and there probably are more things just day to day that I should be mentioning. But I just I that's a criticism that I'm aware of or something that I've heard negatively, right, that like they don't all the teachers unions care about is themselves. They don't care about the kids.
2: I think what's tough for I think what's tough for a union sometimes is who is a part of the representation because I I'm in a bigger school district and in the past sometimes they're like oh all the people who are on the the board of the union or elementary school teachers so that's where all their energy lies is in elementary stuff or the reverse oh all the people who are active in the board are high school teachers and so all they seem to care about is high school stuff and and I would say that's that I don't agree with at all. I think that they, there is an effort to keep it well represented for all the different levels. And then there really is that democratic process, like you're mentioning, Joanna.
1: And that's that's sort of speaking into the conflict that I was talking about earlier, about depending on who's on the leadership of the union and how it conflicts with the masses. And you just spoke into that. So that, that yeah. made a lot more sense for me.
3: Yeah. I appreciate the expansive thinking. It's, you know, when we're all in agreement with something, this can be hard to (laughs) acknowledge the pros and the cons, but it just, it helps expand my own thinking just to hear that. So I appreciate everyone sharing.
2: All right. Well, I'm wondering if we want to just take a chance to look back about what's going well, maybe some hard-earned wisdom that we've been doing right now. Um, We can reflect on the topic itself, being a part of a union, or we can talk about maybe what are some things that we're working on just for the new year? Do we want to talk in that area?
0: Well, looking back, I had mentioned that there was kind of like a tragedy that struck our community where um, in our community, two teenagers were murdered. And um, one of them was a, was a former student of our school and one of one of my current students, someone that was close to her. And so looking back on this or thinking about it, um, you know, I always compare what I'm doing in my um, program that, Focuses on the integration of well being and learning compared to traditional education. And through this kind of community tragedy, I was just really aware again of what I would call like improvements to a system versus transformation of a system. Um, and so I just was ready. I, I think a, a transactional kind of view is when we say, like, this happened, kids, if you're struggling these people will be available to talk to. Like, I think that is an improvement. It is something we never even used to do. It's an improvement, but it still kind of puts the onus on the child, you know, to, and to identify even if they're struggling, which, and so I thought about my approach was, you know, I'm responsive. I thought about it and was like, okay, these guys are going to all be coming in you know, with this on their mind, with this had happened and that it's scary. And so a responsive environment is I'm ready for that. You know, so we kind of changed what we were doing to open up to discussion. We kind of changed what we were doing so that I did have things that were, I call right brain, left brain rhythmic, um, like literally kind of like some crafty type tasks is really Mm -hmm. what we, what we did. Looking back, I'm like, I I want us to be able to systemically more be able to respond rather than to react and not look at things in the silo that only if you directly knew this person should you be affected. Instead, look at like, no, our whole school community is affected because this happened in our community. So that was what I was thinking about with, with look back is how we're still working on how to be that transformational responsive thing. Joanna, my heart is with you. How are you doing with kind of this hard time? Well, I'm okay. I mean, I'm a person I'll crash later. You know what I mean? Like I can get through, you know, I'll move through the, the, the difficult times and yet i mean i feel i do feel okay because i feel so connected especially with my student that this occurred to like we have a real relationship you know mm-hmm. and so um and boy is she kind of doing okay she said and i'm not just like plugging myself this is literally what she said it's the power of what we do she said i'm glad i have a foundation of regulation in this good God, you know um so You know, people might want to think that like, oh, there's some curriculum I whipped out. No, we're just loving each other. That's all we're doing. We're listening. We're loving. loving.
1: Yes, yes.
2: We had three students pass away in um, October 2021. Um, They were hit by a drunk driver. And I really, I know that a lot of us were kind of in that weird headspace as your school was of just like, Ah, okay, here is where the resources are for the, all the kids. And then kind of like that tricky sense of like, oh, who is directly connected? Who is not directly connected, but still struggling? Mm-hmm. Who needs that support? And I would say that for me, it's it's really hard to watch your students grieve. That's That was one of my hardest parts of that time was just not knowing how to. And and I wish Joanna, I know that our our school district was doing a good job, but I wish I would have had the wisdom to maybe be thinking about where you're at with like, maybe just having some left brain, right brain craft, let them think, let them live in that headspace maybe more because we did, let's free write about it. Let's talk about it. Let's kind of get back to business slowly. Like it was a really Nobody's written a book on like how to keep schools functioning during major tragedies, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Well, it's a real fine line between you do kind of want to keep structure and routine familiar, you know, and yet within that, yeah, you want to do some... My student in particular right now, she's doing all this bracelet making and she says it's, and because again, it's what, that's what it's doing. It's, it's the rhythmic, it's the different engagement. She's like, you know, it's the break. And so, Yeah. yeah, I mean, right. This is the hope that we all, that our systems become more informed, you know, by, you know, what we know, what we know now. And so, yeah, well, thanks for letting me share that.
3: Yeah. Thanks for sharing.
0: So, hey, everyone, I've started listening to a podcast called Proud Rural Teacher. And this podcast comes from the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin, Platteville. This show is all about being a rural teacher and the uniqueness of being a rural teacher. Um, It highlights educators and programs that are in rural schools. And it also promotes resources available for teachers who teach in rural communities.
1: It's very informative. It's a project based approach. It has an interest versus needs component to the curriculum. I love the way it touches a lot of varieties of aspects of the students, the families and the community.
3: Listen to this podcast if you want to hear a lot of great innovative things happening. And, you know, they're, they're happening in these pockets. And how do we help those grow? How do we help others learn from that and, and spread those ideas?
0: Go listen to Proud Rural Teacher. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Back to the show. So now we're on to our pass the mic, seeing who's with us. This is our section where we take questions from early career and pre-service teachers, as well as unique stories from our veteran teachers. And today's question comes from Ariana in Oak Creek. Listen up, y'all. Let's see what we think about this. Um, sometimes there are days when my students just talk and talk, and it's difficult to get things done and keep focused. How do I get my students to stop talking so much during class? What you got? <laughs> what you thinking? I'm sure none of you can
2: relate
3: to
0: this.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Have, Never happened.
2: I have you know? so many things written down, actually. <laughs> Go. Well, so first of all, the, thir- the first thing we're all thinking is, is talking that bad? Mm-hmm. Or can we lean in on the talking and trick kids into talking about education? Mm-hmm. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Daniel? Well,
3: <laughs> oh, no, my mind went there first. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think something I'm working on, though, is to try to see, like, where, what's the bigger picture surrounding a certain context or like, what's the context surrounding, um, anything that that's happening. And so when I, when I hear, uh, you know, students just talk and talk, um, I want to say, well, let them talk. Well, what I have to, you know, maybe the context is there's a situation where they less talking is actually better. And I don't know what that is, but I think I could imagine what it is. Um, you know, and it's, diff- so it's difficult to get things done here's a lot of pressure to get a lot of things done. There's probably some like cram scope and sequence happening, right? If we miss a day, you know, that we're going to be behind, right? So there's that pressure that we all know to, to get things done um, or to keep focused. You know, I've been in schools where we've said, you know, every second counts and we would, that was our mantra, oh. right? And and there's just a lot of pressure to every moment, You know, to be on task, right? You're talking about on task times and and staying focused. And so, yeah, I mean, I can, I think I can empathize with somebody who is Mm
2: -hmm.
3: in that situation. Um, And then I think, so after seeing that broader context, my mind went to uh, if you want them to stop talking, take them to a library. Oh, (laughs) you have to be quiet, which to me, that, you know, a library, you go in, you know, you know the, the expectations. Right. I think in this situation, it's about culture. yeah, it's about routines, it's about habits, um, which you know, come down to trust and relationships always. But if you walk into a space and there are spaces you just automatically know. Mm-hmm. This is one where I can talk, and this is one where I can't talk. And what does it look like to set that up in a classroom? Yeah, and for it to be different on a day to day basis?
2: I think it's cool right now, too, because we are at a transitionary time for a lot of schools. It's the semester switch great opportunity to switch up the routines in your classroom. Great opportunity to be like, yep, you know what? First semester we got off task a lot and it was always difficult for me to bring you back when I needed you to. Here's what second semester we're going to do. We're going to bring in this gong. I have a gong. I like, Ching! It's a mini gong. <laughs> it's probably the size of a, my hand. And I always say when I hit the gong, like you've got five seconds to get wrapped up and then quiet. And they do so well, but I had to, I had to like actually teach it as a routine during the first week of school. So I say, just be ready to try some new
0: routines. Well, my initial thought too, was like, okay, you have to build socialization in. And yet I can feel, I don't think Ariana's just writing. Cause you know, she's a teacher who can't handle talking. I think maybe it's that whole like you know when there's productive talking and then the you know we've all been around it where it's like <laughs> okay this is not good this is not productive um so that's what i was trying to think it through that lens and um right i just think having some i know when again i can only talk about my own situation that right it's it's built in and so i can then I can talk about it where I can be like, I can see you ladies really got stuff to say. Remember, we're going to be doing our walk in about 20 minutes and you will have the time. I'm not trying to keep you away from each other, you know, um, so kind of reminding, redirecting, um, but also being able to, I do think redirect in that way of like, right, here are our goals. Here's what we really want. Um, you know, is this product, you know, cause we always talk in my program again about regulation. And so sometimes when people are like really talking, I'm like, are we jacking each other up here? And is this helpful or are we, you know, talking to kind of like, because you could, you can do both, but I'm trying to think back. Like when I was really first maybe starting out and people were really just talking Right. It definitely doesn't work to do the like the call out from, you know, to the back of the room. Be like, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, could you shut it? Like, no, that doesn't work. Right. The, the call Joanna, out doesn't work. <laughs> I actually do.
2: I actually do call out. I, I want you all to see this because I actually do call out kids all the time. And but first of all, my classroom is super safe place. They know right. that. They know that they are never going to be called out in a bad way. But when I'm talking about something and there's like little, I'll be like, oh, Daniel, you don't want to miss this next part. We're going to watch this mm. up here. Oh, oh, Shelton, we're going to do this thing right now. We're going to about to transition. So I want to make sure you catch this one detail. And what I, I, and at the very beginning, kids will be like, why are you saying my name? I'm like, I say everybody's name. It's just what mm. I do. I say people's names. And it, at the very beginning, the first week, it feels weird. but it's like a totally normal thing that actually I do call people out all the time, but it's super safe.
0: Right. It's actually quite subtle. It's not the challenge. Right. You know, so like you said, you just weave it in. It's the subtle, like, yes, this is just what we're doing and talking about. Um, So, right. I think it is about like making it part of your culture and your classroom and just your work. Um, But recognizing that, School, we've got it. We've got to socialize. Learning is social. Yeah. And the ways that we can build that in and, and help the kids to become more aware of what's productive and not productive, where you're not having to like police them, but where they have some awareness um, and then can kind of make the choice, I think is important.
2: I'm, I'm hearing you, Joanna, also say that you're acknowledging sometimes they want it and need it, and you're finding a way to put it in it, into this space, oh, which yeah. is something I, that I I think is crucial. Yeah. yeah,
1: I like to use too when uh like when kids just want to talk and talk, the way to make them be quiet is to let them talk. But like you all said, I create that frame. Okay, I I see this is going sideways, so I'm gonna give you all a minute or two just to get off what you need to get off, and if it's some of importance, we can connect that to the lesson. We're gonna move forward. So. Yeah, just just letting them, you know, I mean, just go with the flow until you have to be the flow, basically. That's my philosophy.
3: I wonder if it'd be worth it in this situation to, you know, do like an anonymous survey with the students to see, this almost seems like Ariana's carrying the weight of this. This is a burden. This This is making it difficult for her as a teacher and just putting something out there, you know, hey, I've noticed this you know, a lot of talk is happening, we're not necessarily getting through everything that we need to get through. Um, And just putting out in some form or another, it could be pencil and paper, just an anonymous survey. And, you know, just one or two questions, like, what have you noticed it? And like, do you think it's an issue in the class? And then maybe, you know, what are, what are solutions that that you might have? And then, and then looking at that, maybe there's a ton of students who say, "Yeah, thank you for saying that. I've noticed it. It's a huge problem, and and we need to do something about it." Or the majority are like, "No, it's fine." And either way, to then bring that back to the students and say, "Thank you for your for your voices, and and here's what I heard, and let's talk about that." And then maybe finding a way forward to say, "Where, wh- how can we?" you know, increase productivity? What does that look like for us to, to want to, you know, it's not to trick them into learning, but how do we want to have, to talk about what it is that, that we need to learn and, and, and bring them into that conversation? There
0: you go. Moving, moving from compliance to consent.
1: Yeah. Yes. I think too, uh, we got to look at ourselves too, because maybe our teaching style isn't aligning with their learning style. So yeah. Are you all talking, am I doing something different? Like what can I do different to keep keep you engaged or what some things can I do different as well? So I I like that approach, Daniel.
2: I would also just say that, um, you know, I know that it's not all about being well-liked as an educator, but I do know that goes into our job satisfaction, especially kind of in the beginning. Well-liked teachers still have seating charts, you know, well-liked teachers still have a lot of structure. And so if, If a person is feeling a little bit like, oh, well, I think that if I let them choose their seats, they'll be happier and they will like me and then this class will be smoother. Like you can have a seating chart. You can mix up their seats. You can totally change up the structure, how you have the classroom even set up. And just it might be surprising how just flipping some of the desks into form a different angle suddenly Now the classroom has a whole different vibe to it than it did two weeks ago.
3: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, we want to hear your stories and questions from the classroom. Really, anything is on the table. Just send it our way. You can record a voice memo or type it up and send it to education at pbswisconsin.org. And make sure to put AKA teacher in the subject line. And remember, you can also check out the AKA teacher podcast website. Which is PBSwisconsineducation.org slash aka teacher to find helpful resources and all of our podcast episodes. And let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating or a review in your podcast app. We'll see you next time.